Hello and welcome to the First and Ten Chargers podcast. Back again, another sad podcast this week. Um, back after another loss um, at home to the Raiders this time. More last second kind of what was. Well, we thought it was good at first, didn't we? I guess so. But um, obviously, <laughs> as we as we always is the case, we always come up uh, falling into a barrel of tits and coming up sucking our thumb, I guess. So, um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah I just, I, we're running out of ways to do this now, aren't we, really? Yeah, I mean... Um... I was listening to uh, Move the Sticks uh, on Monday hmm. and um, Daniel Jeremiah joked that he said uh, Money Smith, the hmm. last three weeks has called, or, like, like, I think it's like four in four games of, the, of R8 this year, that he's called the end of the game. He's like, Chargers win because he, he got misinformation for the Badgley kick against the Saints. He thought that it went through and it didn't and then they lost. So he announced <laughs> that the Chargers won and they didn't. Then he announced the char- that the uh, Hamler catch was incomplete and the Chargers win and then it got overturned and then we didn't. And then this week he announced that Parnham got the catch. They ruled it a touchdown, Chargers win, then they overturned it and then we didn't. So Daniel Jeremiah was like, Matt Money Smith just needs to shut up. Like basically, stop (laughs) calling Chargers wins because they obviously (laughs) really aren't working. So it's like you said, it's like... It's kind of like Atlanta Falcons, uh, where's Los Angeles Chargers hold my beer sort of thing, really. Like. Yeah, 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 for sure. Uh, to be fair, to be fair to him, I, I think everyone thought that it was a catch at first, wasn't it? Until the replay, and then yeah. he saw it that it wasn't, and it was just like going to bed deflated again on a Sunday. Yeah. It just makes the start of the week just that little bit worse, doesn't it? So yeah, yeah. I mean, obviously, you know, another like I say, you know, another one score game, another loss, um, you know, another heartbreaking ending for the Chargers but even if we did win I, I would have been sat here today because you know I've, I've had a propensity to do this for both of the wins that we've had this season and thinking well I don't enjoy that yeah do you know yeah, what I mean no, exactly. how, how, yeah. how did you feel it was crap on it <laughs> yeah uh like it seems to be other than playing the Chiefs like we seem to be playing games against the Raiders and Denver and they're like horribly ugly games to watch like mm. I know divisional games are renowned for being a bit they're not as fun to watch, I guess, but yeah, we seem to be every time we play the the Raiders and the Broncos at the moment, they're they're disheartening games to watch as as fans. And obviously, you want to come away with a win, and then when you don't, it's even more disheartening that you just sat through four hours of it and then come away with a loss. So yeah, the the game this week was just it was just a comedy, a load of comedy of errors, giving up big plays again, mm. book a touchdown, the Agler Hall touchdown that beat them um, for a big play. It's just, it's just, it kind of just feels like it's, it's Groundhog Day every every game with the Chargers. It's the same mistakes, the same big plays costing us. Inept coaching, inept mm. plays on special teams, secondary falling apart again. Offensive line was shaky, um, and like you said, the, again, the only positives really um, was our number ten. So. Um, and the uniforms. Yeah. I, I like the uniforms. And the uniforms, yeah. <laughs> um, so, it's like I said, you, we we don't want to kind of sound like it's the same as last year, but it's kind of feeling like it's going in the same route as last year. So, which is really disappointing after the big build-up we had, the good draft we had, the good free agency that we had, then injuries came. Mm. And it just all went tit, basically, didn't it? So, it's, yeah. It's um, it's alarming, isn't it, really? Because you look at the stats for this game and the Chargers come out on top in almost every stat. You know, 440 yards total yardage to 320. 
yeah. more passing yards by almost double. You know, like you said just before we came on, Derek Carr only threw 13 times for 100. Yeah, 13, 13, com- 13 completions. Oh, sorry, 13 completions. Yeah, you are. 13 completions, sorry, and they put up 31 points. But 13 completions, man. Like, that's crazy. For 31 points, that's crazy. And it, mm. you could even say, oh, their running game was like, it was outstanding. Like, we just gave up big play after big play in that running game. Like they yeah. kind of got to grips with it maybe late in the fourth quarter, but well, then it was kind of too late, like giving I up mean, 6.2 um, yards per carry. And hmm. we had as well, we had zero, zero tackles for loss in that game. Zero. Hmm. So yeah. Every yeah. play was a positive gain. Every single play that they had was positive. Hmm. So you kind of asking yourself like, what, what's this defense doing? Like, supposed to be creating turnovers we were putting you up as this high almighty top 5d in the off season and it's just not materialized at all and you kind of still scratching scratching my head thinking like how can some of these teams like the dolphins with literally nobody on their team be putting up the best ter- one of the best defensive and special teams performances of the years it's, it's clearly down to in some and respects can coach so that's the thing isn't it <laughs> it's down to it's down to coaching and it's also that you co- i've said it before it's our mentality is our head goes down way too quickly. We have no fight in us half the time. Like it just feels that way when you're watching them. You, you, it's this inevitability of, oh, they're going to give up the big play or this isn't going to come off. And it kind of go, it filters from the coaches to the players to the fans now that we, we're watching it, expecting it to happen. Like we're kind of in the same bubble as the players that we're just expecting this shit show of a performance to happen again and it kind of needs these big leaders and these big coaches to stand up and, and start make like i heard the gilly's charge uh podcasters talk about it and mm. mike uh, thomas davis although he was not great for us i don't think he would have allowed that performance to happen on sunday how bad they were for the run they were just, it just seemed like they just did not want to tackle, like from from the defensive line yeah. all the way through to the secondary. And as much as he had his faults, Davis, he was a tackling machine and at least he tried. And it's getting to the same stage as from when it was last year is that you're looking at it and you're thinking, there's a real lack of effort here. Like that's how you stop the run. It's just, I'm going to beat your man. You're going to beat, um, and you're not getting past me. That's sometimes that's not down to coaching. That's just down of wanting to be able to stop someone from running the ball. Mm. Like I can understand pass coverage, miss um, things like that, that people um, forget where they're going, etc., and miscommunication. But stopping the run is just oh, that guy's got the run. Let's go and get. Let's go and tackle him. And there's just you're giving up like eight yards, seven yards, and there was like they're really easy third down completions all the time this weekend. And it's just, it just seems to be getting bad to worse on this defense. Yeah. I think like you say, the, the want to, he's not there, is it? I mean, I think I commented, I put out a tweet for the, for the Booker touchdown. Yeah. Where Adderley, I, I thought it was Jenkins at first. It was only the, the lack of dreadlocks that, that made me realize that it was Adderley. Did a Jenkins tackle where he just goes to like barrel into the legs and just didn't get anywhere near him. And he kind of just rode the tackle and reached for it and scored. And instead of, you know, going to wrap up, like you see good tacklers do. And yeah, yeah, he, he, he just feels like there's a bit of an infectious kind of laziness to some of the play. And like I say, wanting to get by and things like that. And maybe believing a bit too much of their own hype, um, especially with the secondary as well. You know, this Jack Boy's nickname and things like that. Like Jill Boy's. 
Yeah, I'm, I'm going back to what you said. I know it wasn't you that was saying. I don't know if I agree with the Thomas Davis thing because he wasn't great. And I, 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 you know, we were talking last year about this team kind of giving up in some games. I think he was just as yeah. culpable as that. So not sure I completely agree with that. But yeah, I completely I agree with you know the other things that you were saying. And you know, the Raiders running game, you know, they got 160 yards on both the passing game and the rushing game. And like I say, they didn't feel like they were, apart from the big players, they didn't feel like they were doing great deals. You know, we were forcing them to punt and things like that. So we were holding them up. But it's when when you have these back-breaking big players like every now and then and you just think, well, yeah. what can you do, you know? There was a couple of good defensive series. I'm thinking of when, you know, KJ Hill fumbled and then you called him to a field goal. And there was, you know, we started relatively well. Uh, first first series of the game was was really good on defense. You know, didn't move the ball at all. And we're doing a lot, you know, in terms of on offense. But we're just not getting any rewards because the bar is set way too high by the defense. Yeah. You know, we've got to play, we've got, we've got to score 30 points a game to win at the minute. Yeah. And that is just putting the bar way too high. You know, we've got teams in the NFL who are just playing defense first and just putting up just enough points to win. And, you know, they got the Titans last year, went to the playoffs and won a playoff game by doing that. You know, just 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 doing enough, running the ball well. Um, and, you know, not being the most exciting team to watch, but the, the defense is keeping them in the game. And like I say, setting the bar a bit lower for them to to be able to achieve the victory. And it's, it's something that the Chargers did a few years ago, I think in the playoff season that we went to in a couple of years ago. Yeah. But at the moment, it's it, it's just asking way too much of a rookie quarterback and a, a banged up running back room and a banged up offensive line. And as much as the player on offense not playing great, I'm not saying the offense is amazing and the defense is, is terrible. It's not as black and white as that. But it, it's it's just too difficult. You know, it's, it's not enough to say, right, the offense has got to score 30 points a game behind yeah. a rookie quarterback. I mean, it's, it's it's giving Justin, like, the opportunity to throw for loads of yards and look really good and, you know, get a lot of buzz behind him and probably win rookie of the year. But that's not what we want, is it? You know, I'm sure we'd take a playoff berth if, you know, if we won 10, 11, 12 games and Justin be pretty good rather than amazing yeah. and win rookie of the year. It's a team game after all, isn't it? But, you know, I think the promise is still there and he's still the shining light and there are other good players and other core players that will hopefully kind of keep with us for you know the coming years and move on to next year. But yeah, it's just not good. It's just not fun at the minute. And you just, you, I mean, we are literally watching just for number 10, really, aren't we? Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, it's kind of like, we've, we we mentioned it in the, the after the Denver loss that we really need to start from the ground up. And, mm. and we've got we've got the guy now at quarterback and that is, in most cases, the hardest piece to find. So, in that aspect, we've got we've got our guy now for the next 10, 15 years, hopefully. Um, and he, if he continues to put these performances up, then these next 10 to 15 years ago, it should be good fun to watch. Mm. So it's just now uh, uh, we're in this we're in this sort of like no man's land of how many games do we want to win? Do we need to win? Do we want to get? Do we want to be in the case where we're another top 10 pick? Is it embarrassing that we are a top 10 pick? Like there's loads of this scenario where you're kind of scratching your head thinking, I don't really know what I want for the outcome of the rest of this season because we're clearly not good enough to make these playoffs. We're clearly not good mm. enough to win the playoffs. So how do we want this season to sort of pan out? And it's kind of just assessing what we've got on the roster, assessing coaches, assessing everything really from the floor yeah. to the top. Yeah and just going through and trying to create a new culture in this team really because the culture of the last sort of 
not saying it's been completely the same when Linz, obviously we had that playoff run where the momentum build and we made the playoffs and then we played the Ravens. We looked amazing against the Ravens, et cetera. And mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Like we've had some of them games where we've looked really, really talented, but quite a big substantial part of this Lynn era has been one of disbelief, if I'm honest, of like, I was just expect, especially from how he comes across as a coach is, mm you expect more of a gutsy team. Like, even if there wasn't as much talent there, you'd say, oh, fair enough, we lost to the better talent, like, in yeah. some games that we have, like, this year. But there's some games that, that we've clearly got more talent, and then it comes across as, well, how are we losing these games? And, and it's some, unfortunately, it's come down to coaching and effort. Yeah, for sure. I mean, we we obviously talked about culture and we talked about mentality last week quite a lot. And we're, we're facing a team on Sunday who seems to have gone through this already and Brian Flores seems to be the sort of guy who is building a culture in Miami and like you say the, yeah. the, the, if you obviously without injuries you know at the start of the season you would put the rosters next to each other and say who's the most talented roster and nine times out of ten if not more the people would say LA Chargers yeah. without doubt but Miami are a much better football team than us at the minute so yeah. it's uh, it, yeah it's not a game I'm looking forward to to be perfectly honest and um, yeah. it's, it, it's, it's two teams that are like I say, attitude is completely polar opposite, really. Yeah, definitely. I think, like you said, there's one's well-drilled. They've, they've got a format. They know what they're doing. They know what their jobs are. And then there's one that just look completely out of their depth. They just We've just looked completely out of our depth in some of these games. And, mm. like, into the aspect of how are you going to grind wins out? Miami, they, they beat a Cardinals team. And Kyler Murray has been one of the hardest quarterbacks to have a kind of like a game plan against because he's like the roadrunner but (laughs) Miami did a job that he he still put up some some nice numbers fantasy wise but if you look at him when he was getting blitzed and how much they blitzed him and and things like that like they had a game plan and it worked and they come out with a win and like they just they're just a well-drilled team this Miami team Mm. Yeah, yeah, I think so. And like I said before, I'm not really looking forward to the game on Sunday. Just going back to your original point about whether we want the Chargers to win, you know, for the rest of the season. I mean, it's kind of it's you don't want to sit up every Sunday and watch a team lose, do you? But at the end of the day, the wins are pointless at this stage of the season, aren't they? Yeah. Wins really are meaningless, apart from putting yourself in the shot window for the next coaching because Hopefully, I think I speak for a lot of people. You know, we're going to be changing coaches at the end of the season, yeah. and what coordinators for me personally. I know that some people won't agree with some half of that. I don't know, but for me, I hope we're changing everything. Yeah, you know, and we're sitting here at the sixth pick overall. There's four other teams with two wins, is it? Yeah, yeah, and then ourselves obviously at two wins as well. So there's a little glut of teams on two wins. Some of which will get better, some of which, like the Cowboys and probably the, the Giants, probably won't pick up many other wins. They got to play each other, though. <laughs> yeah, true. Good point. Yeah, good point. You know, you've got the Jets who are an absolute mess, almost nailed on for the number one pick, you know, with nine weeks to go. Well, nine weeks gone, sorry. Jacksonville not looking much better. And then this, this little group. But you got to think, you know, with, with Trevor Lawrence and Justin Fields and those two teams at the top needing quarterbacks, you think, like, really, it's a bit like when we drafted Joey Bosa. The third pick's really, like, the number one pick if you don't need a yeah. quarterback, which obviously the yeah. Chargers don't. Yeah. So, you know, if, you, if you're if thinking 
Um, you know, can we pick up maybe one more win just for a bit of morale or just to have like a good performance or whatever? Um, you know, we still might be able to get that third pick. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> you know, yeah, maybe, maybe we'll allow us one more win against, I don't know, the Patriots. I mean, we've got to play the Jets, haven't we? So I'm sure we'll get one more win at least. But I guess it'd be the Chargers thing to, to lose that game as well. <laughs> Probably. Um, but yeah, I mean... <laughs> It's a, it's a bit of a rock and a hard place question, isn't it? Because you don't want to sit on the podcast and sit here as a fan of, and say, yeah, I want us to lose, you know, however many games, eight games that's left for the rest of the yeah. season. But at the end of the day, what's the what's the value of it? You know, I don't... Yeah. There isn't any I mean, value of it, is there? No. I mean, I know that going into the... Um, with the 17 playoff, the, there's always the potential to put a run together, but... I just think that we're not a good enough team to be able to do that. Like I was, I really thought that we were, I really do did believe that we were good enough, especially coming. I know we lost to the saints and the bucks, but even coming out of that saints game, although it was disheartening and how did we lose it, etc. I still thought, well, the schedule we had with the Jags and the Broncos and the Raiders and the Oh Dolphins yeah, we were sat here thinking we might spin off six you, wins. You can, you could bang six wins out straight away and like, like we've got one out of the last three, like and we've lost, the, we've lost like six or seven divisional games in a row now. Like it's a bit really disheartening in that respect. Mm. Like you got to win your division first, and we can't even win one game in the division, let alone win a division. Yeah. So it's really, really disheartening in that respect. And like you said, where do you go? Do you, do you carry on? You, you don't want to tank, but you kind of feel like it's for the good of the franchise. Maybe that we need to to get this because. For us, we've we've been saying it. There's there's some good corn. There's a couple of good corners, two or three in this class, and there's a couple of two or three good tackles as well. So, and there also as well being that high up, there's always that potential if someone's coming up to wanting to get that third quarterback or fourth quarterback because the guy from BYU's playing well and mm. um, tra- uh, Trey Lance as well is playing really well. So there's always there's other aspect there's there could be a lot of movement at the top and if you're involved in that and you don't need a quarterback you kind of got you've got a nice little hand to play um in this game so it'll be an interesting it'll be interesting to see whereabouts all these chips fall in regards to the prospects and and the scenario of how these teams because like you said there's a lot of teams that are in that two two win group but there's a lot of teams on three wins and four wins which I'm shocked they're on two, three wins and four wins. Like there's some really good teams down there on two or three, uh, three or four wins. Like your Cardinals and your even Bengals at the moment are better than us. And there's a few other teams down there. You're thinking like, I don't quite know how they've only got three or four wins when they're actually pretty good, pretty good teams. So I can see some of them maybe finding their feet and picking up six or seven wins. And we've got no chance again at six or seven. So Mm. you're still going to be in that bubble I personally think of I think worst case scenario I think that we'll be 10 or 11 I personally think worst case that we'll get four or five wins and that'll only get you to around about there in any way mm. yeah I'm just looking at the fixtures and I think obviously we've got Jets in a couple of weeks and then the rest you know Patriots obviously aren't playing well you could you know then it's Belichick isn't it Bills obviously really good. Raiders and Broncos and Chiefs have beat us already, so you can't really bank on wins for any of them. And then you've got the Falcons as the other game, who are yeah. as much as they've been a bit bad, you know, they've won two on the spin now. And they could, yeah. they could be one of these these teams that you just mentioned that, that kind yeah. of pick up and, and go on to, you know, maybe Nick eight and eight, get the seventh. Yeah. 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 Depending on their division, obviously they play in a division that kind of beats each other up like 
a yeah. lot, heck of a lot. But yeah, it's it's obviously something to consider. I mean, obviously we're gonna we're gonna move on in a mo, and we're just gonna talk about kind of like you just said, really starting again from the ground up. And we've got a hell of a lot of free agents in this team, and we're gonna discuss a few of those and and kind of look to the future a little bit. I know it's maybe a little bit early nine weeks in, but um, as you know, you listeners might know that we've we've not really enjoyed doing this podcast this, this past few weeks when we've been kind of getting bad losses for for weeks and weeks and weeks but you know ja- ja- sorry the jags game um non-withstanding but yeah let, in fact let's get let's just get into that now actually um i'm done with talking about the traders game if you if you are yeah i'm done with it cool okay so what we're going to do ash has kind of um done a bit of digging he's dug into the chargers free agent class and um kind of come up with some options um for us to kind of look at uh potentially like i said building the chargers back up and um, really capitalising on Justin Herbert's rookie deal, really, and, and maybe, like I said, a change of coaching staff if I get my wish. So I'll hand over to you, mate, because obviously you've taken the lead on this one. Yeah, um, so obviously we'll, we'll leave the coaches um, until later on, but we'll mm. go through, the, obviously, the free agents pool as such. Like We've got 28 free agents, guys. There's there's a few guys there that are probably just on the roster because we've got injuries, etc. So... People like Tremaine Pope, Damon Square, Ryan Groy, Jaleel Dye, Malik Jefferson, Stephen Anderson, Faison, um, Gabe Neighbours, players like that, they won't be back next year. I'll mm-hmm. be shocked if they are. They'd have to put a hell of a performance in at the end of this season um, and obviously with the coaching changes, etc., which most likely will happen. I can't really see them staying on. So, But there's, a, there's probably five or six big-time starters and big-time positions of areas where – there's a lot of thinking for Tom Telesco to do. Um, so I want to start off with obviously probably our biggest free agent, which is uh, Melvin Ingram. And I've, I've kind of pulled in Isaac Rochelle here, which is obviously another guy that's on the free agents uh, on the free agency market for us this year. Obviously at edge, our big, our big guy, um, Bosa, he's back signed up. Um, mm-hmm. And obviously we've got Nwusu that's, I think has been playing really well in, yeah. in the yeah. stop gap. Um, bouncing between certain roles in things he's being asked to do. Um, and I think the development of him um, really gives us uh, some cards to just keep close to our chest in some respects that we don't have to go out and find another edge guy drastically and desperately because you can also use Tillery on the edge that he's been doing. He played pretty well at the weekend. Yeah, he looked, quite, he looked quite decent, didn't he, on the Yeah, so there's, I think that there's, there is aspects there that we can use as edge guys Obviously, the draft is obviously a potential, but I think that Melvin Ingram's market, I think he's probably clearly the best edge guy there. So it's going to come down to money. Now, because obviously we've got Herbert, we're going to have some money to play with. So are we going to look at maybe re-signing him? Um, I personally think Isaac Richelle, I think that we could probably say that he's doesn't need to really be re-signed. I think that picking up all these depth guys, I think that's part of the problem. I just think our depth's not very good and that's why we're losing these games. So I think that Isaac Rochelle will probably be gone, but then it's going to come down to Melvin Ingram. The, the guys that he's kind of looking at on the market, um, you've kind of got Shaquille Barrett, um, Romeo Alcoa, the Lions playing really well. That He's probably going to pay him, get, him, get himself into a paid contract, quite a good paid contract. Um, and you've got Carl Lawson as well at the Bengals that's putting up some good sack totals at the moment. So, But really, the market is there for Ingram to eat up. So it's mm. going to be hard to maybe keep him around. It's going to come down to uh, big money, I think, at the end. So it's going to come... Are you going to pay him more than Bosa? Definitely not. So no, absolutely not. Will, will, we, will we 
be saying goodbye to Melvin Ingram. It'd be sad, sad if he does go, but I think that it's going to just come down to money at the end of the day. And I think that there might be other areas of need where they're going to look at to spend their money. I don't know what you think about that, Lee. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's one of them, isn't it, where he's been a very important player for the franchise for a long time now. Obviously, got drafted here. He's been here his whole career. Very good player. Obviously, reaching an awkward age, really, because he's still performing at a good level. He's a really versatile piece for the defence as well. Probably one of the bigger characters in the locker room as well. So, you know, and that's, that's something to consider. It's not just about the on-field play. It's about building that culture and that, um, you know, you've got to have some veterans in there that know how yeah. to win games and that have been there and done it, been to the playoffs, et cetera, made plays. You know, you can't always rely on these young guys. Um, if he can, if he can be reasonable, and I know, like you say, someone might come in and blow us out of the water. Yeah. But if he can be reasonable and if we can keep him around, I'd really like to keep him around. Yeah. Agreed. Because I think he's, he's an important player both on and off the field. And like you said, there's not a heck of a lot knocking around in terms of the free agent market. Because really, really even though, even though Yannick Ngokwe has moved a couple of times, he's probably right up there with Melvin to be the most valuable player, you know, in terms of a good age, good production, you know, does the business and obviously at a premium position as well. Outside of that, you are struggling. Yeah. So like you say, these guys are going to have the pick of the teams that they kind of want to pay them and the price is going to be premium. The other factor to weigh in on this one is the edge class coming out of this draft class is not good. So the fact that, and we've got we've we've got bigger fish to fry at the top of the order as well. Yeah. So it it just makes me want to keep Melvin Ingram even more. Yeah. Probably agree on Michelle. Um, you know, a seventh rounder probably doing pretty well backing up Joey Bosa. Um, but if you've got someone that they're kicking out like Tillery, who played in and started instead of Bosa on the weekend, and they're not yeah. starting Michelle, I think the writing's on the wall, really, isn't it? Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Totally agree. Totally and agree. the other thing is as well, just sorry, mate, I didn't know if I cut you off then, but no. Tillery is a skinny defensive tackle. Yeah. Tall and skinny. He actually might be better as an end for his body type. Mm-hmm. You know, because he's got long arms, he probably doesn't get the greatest of leverage in the yeah. in the trenches. Whereas mm-hmm. he, he got a couple of nice long arm rushes. And if he can refine that coming off the edge, he could actually be pretty quite a good edge rusher. Yeah. You know, and maybe after serving as maybe a bit of a hybrid player for a year or two, because, you know, not going to give Melvin Ingram like a three or four year deal. He's He's probably coming up to 32 in the summer. Yeah. So you're not, you're going to give him what, a two year deal. Yeah. And then that, by that time you might have Jerry being a full-time edge. Yeah. And then you've got Jerry and and Joey Bosa. And Nawusi. And and more suited to, um, to back up and and rotate as well. So, you know, you look at three good edge rushers there. I, I, I really like Chen and Osu, to be honest with you. I, I think yeah. he should get more snaps. I was a, dumbfounded when I heard Lynn say that he got like four snaps or whatever because Ingram was having the best game of his career or one of the best games of his career or whatever bullshit he said. But yeah, um, yeah it was just, I mean, obviously I, I like Alvin Ingram. I think he's a good player, but, you know, you don't think he was having one of the better games of his career. Yeah. I think it's nonsense and just makes yeah. me lose a bit of respect for him, to be honest with you, because he seems to be yeah. super harsh on young guys, especially when, you know, we need these guys to be the future. And we, we were kind of looking at most of them at the start of the season thinking, well, Melvin Ingram's contract's up at the end of the year. If he plays really well, then the, the future's in the building already kind of thing. So, mm-hmm. yeah, it's not worked out, but hopefully, you know, he sticks around because I like him as well. And, you know, like you said, um, Bosa, Tillery, and, and mostly it's kind of as three pretty good edges moving forward in the next couple of years. is something to get excited about because 
you know, I know that Linval Jones is not like a, a long-term solution, but Justin Jones is quite decent and I'd be happy yeah. to keep him around. Yeah. Um, you replace Joseph with, you know, another nose tackle in a year mm-hmm. or so. And yeah. tackles aren't expensive, you know, in the draft. Right. You, know, you can get a decent one in the fourth, fifth round. And yeah. do that, have a pretty good defensive line again. So, yeah, no, happy with that. I have to keep Melvin around. I hope that he's a bit sensible and gives us maybe a bit of hometown discount as well. Yeah, definitely. Um, moving on to obviously the next big free agent mar- uh, player on the market is Hunter Henry. So I'll kind of put him and Virgil Green together. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, Virgil's had the injury, um, so it might be game over for him in some aspects. Um, coming up as maybe they'll be looking more at Parnham now as as probably the second guy if he continues his path, uh, how it's going, and maybe look into this draft class because this is unlike the edge rushing class. This tight end class is very good. Um, so from the draft, you're talking about or the yeah. Free agents, so I think yeah, I the draft think, is yeah, yeah. I think the draft has got some really good tight ends in it. Obviously, this, this one we've just had is pretty awful, but the, this <laughs> 2021 class is is going to be really good. Um, yeah. So. Um, Coming back to Hunter, there's literally nobody on the market other than Johnny Smith that's going to get paid. So you're looking at Gronk and uh, Jared Cook and some aging tight ends and a few blocking tight ends and stuff. So it's going to be, again, very similar scenario with Melvin Ingram is, are you going to be paying, uh, are you going to be paying Hunter the market value or are you going to be looking at the draft? I think this one kind of could lean itself towards the draft because there is some nice prospects in it. And again, it's going to just come down to money again. So I don't know what you would say on this, on this side of it, but I think that this one might be a Ingram's going to come down to the the money, but he's kind of got a little bit over us because the edge class isn't as good, but in some respects we've got Tillery Nawusu. So we've kind of got players in the building Mm. with Hunter. We've got nobody in the building, but the draft class is pretty good, but you can't rely on expecting to take a person, a a player or a position because you can get found out. It's no different with the Texans when they were, everyone knew the Texans needed a tackle. Titus Howard, uh, Tyrus Howard, really early just because they needed one. We kind of don't want to be in that scenario and hope that Telesco won't put us in that scenario. So I think that Henry could probably be the next one, if I'm honest, more than Ingram, that they're going to tie him up just because I don't think that Telesco would like to be able to... He's going to want an insurance policy. And I think that having Hunter in the building, even if you do bring and you do want to get another weapon in through the draft, you've still got Hunter in the building. And having that reliable tight end, hopefully touch when he stays fit this year and going on through a few seasons that he can be that reliable weapon for Herbert. Yeah, definitely. You, you've hit it on the head. Tim Tesco isn't going to be backed into a corner. He's going to keep his options open. And we saw it, didn't we, with this uh, past season where we've kind of made some free agent signings as insurance for the draft and things like that. So, um, yeah, I, d- I don't think he's going to be as irresponsible as that to, to kind of back himself into a corner thinking, well, I need a tight end in the third yeah. because you know, otherwise we're not going to have anyone because Hunter's gone and so's Virgil. And, you know, we've only got Donald Parham who, like, plays a couple of snaps a game and just catches touchdowns. So, he needs yeah. someone who can do it all. With this, yeah. I would love to see Hunter re-signed. I'm a big fan of his. Um, obviously, the players are big fans of his. Obviously, got voted captain for the first time yeah. this year, mm-hmm. which is a massive boon for him, really, and a massive, like, sort of yeah. sign of respect. So, yeah, that's great. And obviously, he's, he's playing well. And he seems to have a good relationship with Justin, both on and off the field. You know, we see him coaching him up and stuff like that. And yeah. he's obviously been pretty productive this year. So health seems to be pretty good. So I'd be I'd be willing to 
to give him another Pay deep the bonus of it. Yeah, yeah I, be, I think what, I, and this is something I said um, maybe last year is, Telesco is a bit of a wizard when it comes to getting value for money. Yeah. I don't know what he says to him, but he does seem to just get people for that little bit lower than than what you'd Market expect. Mm-hmm. And again, I'd, obviously putting him on the tag, Hunter was, was fine with playing on tag. He never grumbled about it at all. So I don't know whether he's going to say, look, I gave, I gave you a solid last year, so you've got to give me one this year and maybe ask for a bit more. I don't know. But I'd, be, I'd back Tom Telesco to get us a good deal on, on Hunter. Yeah. I, I feel like... Hunter's kind of settled where he is and things like that. And I think he, he wants to play for the Chargers. So, yeah, um, yeah I, I think that we can we can get him to stay. Yeah. In terms of Virgil, I mean, obviously, it's unfortunate he's out injured and obviously we wish him a speedy recovery and everything like that. But he got brought in as this you know amazing blocking tight end from Denver. And I've not seen it. I don't know about you. <laughs> but he's, he's not been like that. So what I'd, what I'd hope to get with this one is I'd be happy to let Virgil Green go I'm obviously we're obviously happy with Parnham, and it's yeah. one of these things where we wanted him in the in the squad when we did our roster building at the beginning. Yeah, he's been used pretty much exactly how we said in terms of he wants to be a big red zone target and uh, come down with a few touchdowns. Maybe he can develop into a bit more than that. Hopefully he does. Yeah. Um. But I'm happy to keep him as like tight end three, and then bring in someone from the draft again. Probably not going to get one of the big tight ends like Kyle Pitts or Pat Frymuth or someone like that. We're not going to get these guys because these guys are going to go, you know, middle of the first round onwards. And we've, like, again, like what I was saying with the edge thing, we've, we've got bigger fish to fry. Yeah. But, you know, like you say, it's pretty deep class. We'll be able to get one third, fourth round, pretty decent. You know, someone who could come in, do a bit of locking, you know, catch a few balls, play second fiddle, be happy to play second fiddle. And also, you know, Parnham come in for the, the red zone stuff and, you know, maybe a little bit more as he develops. Yeah. Well, maybe a bit of a two-pronged attack, I would say, for this one. Resign Henry and then, you know, look to the mid-rounds, early mid-rounds, day two, to to bring in a, 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 sec- a second tight end behind um, Hunter and and kind of see what we get there, really. Obviously, we're going to bring yeah. in free agents and whatnot. Um, if not, if, you know, if, you, if you're not backing yourself into a corner, you've got Steven Anderson who can, you know, you can maybe elevate Parham to the, the more pass-catching stuff and leave Stephen Anderson for blocking and whatnot. And he can be like the new Virgil Green. I don't know, because he seems to like him. But yeah, I'd, I'd, I'd just, yeah, something to just say that I would want a bit of a two-pronged attack on this one with Hunter re-signing for you know, a reasonable price on a you know three or four-year deal, hopefully. Yeah. And then, uh, yeah, develop Parham and draft someone. Yeah, I agree with that totally. Um, so then of, what I've done now is moved on. Obviously, we've got some big issues are all we, we've had all season on this offensive line. So mm. obviously injuries, etc. But Belaga and Turner hopefully will be returning next year and they'll be fit. <laughs> um <laughs> and we can actually see the see these guys and get a solid offensive line. Mike Pouncey, I think, is dead in the water now. I think that the injuries are piling up and that it could be a retirement thing with him I think so. Year. I think that'd be sensible as well. And I think we yeah. said that last year, didn't we? Well this yeah. off season, let's say. Yeah. So um it then comes down to Sam Tevy. Uh, left tackle, Forrest Lamp and Dan Feeney. So they're start, our starting centre, starting left guard and starting left tackle. So there's going to be some, this is going to be a, a real head scratcher for Telesco and how he's going to weigh it up. Obviously, we've known for a long time that we need to draft someone. Yeah. And I would probably put that as number one um, in the books to that we need um, probably a stonewall elite blue chip player on this offensive line in this draft. So for me, that would incorporate maybe one of these guys losing out 
um, to get in to getting them re-signed. But obviously, you can never have that many offensive linemen as we've shown because we just keep churning out five or six <laughs> different offensive lines every yeah. week. So it's it's going to be a struggle maybe trying to keep all these guys in the building. One thing I would say is none of them have been playing particularly well to warrant huge contracts. So like you said, Telesco might want to put his magic together and kind of sign a couple of these guys up on one year to two year deals, maybe just to, on a reasonable contract, as we say. But mm-hmm. I don't know if there's any of these guys particularly that you prefer to keep out of uh, Feeney, Lamp and Tevi. I would happily get rid of all of them. But it doesn't work like that. It's not Madden. Yeah. So, I mean, I would rank them. Forest Lamp would be my number one. I then would say at the equal least favourite for Tevi and Feeney. I've never been a fan of Feeney. Guard, he's reasonable at centre, but I feel like Scott Questenberry, when I've seen him play centre, has been better. Yeah. So I'm a bit frustrated. I've always been a bit frustrated with that decision to move Feeney across and then, you know, bring in someone like, Groy, who's abysmal. Tone has actually been reasonable, to be fair. Yeah. But they've, got, they've got Questenberry there playing at centre. So you, you, you're sort of kind of destroying two problems, uh, two positions, sorry, and creating two problems by moving Dan Feeney into centre instead of just pushing Questenberry into centre when Pouncey goes out. Do you know what I mean? Uh-huh. Yeah. Um, so, no, I mean, like I say, I, I think you've got to keep one of them for continuity depth. You can't just destroy the whole right side of your line and go right, we've got the right side kind of sorted if they can both stay fit. But in this free agency class and in this uh, draft, we need a starting centre, a starting right guard and a starting left, uh, sorry, right tackle. It's, uh, sorry, left tackle, God. I saw Sevi's name and I thought right tackle straight away, but <laughs> yeah. oh my God. Yeah, you know, it, it's just impossible. So I'd yeah. give I'd give Lamp a, uh, a small one-year deal, not, <laughs> no, not paying him a great deal, probably less than a million dollars. I would see Tevi and drive into the airport where he wants to go myself and Dan Feeney had come around for a second trip. Because I think Questenberry is a reasonable, you know, backup centre at worst, you know. Yeah. I mean, he's not amazing by any stretch of the imagination, but I think he's serviceable from what we've seen. Yeah. Tevi wasn't good at right tackle, so why we ever thought he would be good at left tackle is beyond me. Mm-hmm. Um, I'd be happy to keep Pipkins, obviously, as, as the backup left tackle. Um, and kind of moving into how we're going to replace these guys because, you know, oh, sorry, the other reason why I want to keep Lamp is he's got tackle guard versatility. So, yeah, even though they'd never play him at tackle because I don't know why. Um, but, you know, he can do that. He played West, for Western Kentucky all the time at tackle and was really good at tackle as well. Yeah. Um, so I need to replace two two guys, right? I need to play place a centre. Centre um, draft class is, is reasonable, um, but the tackle class is really, really good. So I'd be yeah. really happy to be able to go ahead and in the first couple of rounds, pick up a pretty top left tackle. And I think there's yeah. a lot of candidates, you know, and yeah. I've said it on our college podcast this week, actually just gone, that as long as the Chargers first two picks, don't really mind which way around they are, a corner and left tackle. Yeah. I'm sweet. Yeah. And I think there's a lot of options for left tackle. So I think even if you wait until the top of the second round, you'll be fine. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. There's loads of good tackles. Obviously, yeah. let's, let's look at it a couple of ways. So we were talking about the draft and, you know, if the Chargers kind of lose out, we're going to be looking at like the fourth, fifth, sixth pick. You're in touch and distance of Penn Isle. Yeah. 
you know, you might need that third pick. You might need a second pick, you know, depending on which teams are picking one and two, whether they're going to take a quarterback or not. Because yeah. Lawrence and Fields are pretty much going to be locked in for those two top quarterback positions. Yeah. If we're the fifth pick and you're looking at the team in third pick and thinking, do they need a tackle? If they don't, and I'd be making a call because Penn Isool is one of the best tackles to come out in the last decade. And you've already yeah. got that connection with Justin. He's yeah. going to be a franchise left tackle. Go and get him. I don't care if it costs us another, you know, a couple of picks next year, maybe as well. Yeah. Go and get him because it sorts the problem out. And that's what you want. Yeah. You know, we want, yeah. we know that we need the quarterback position sorted out. We've done it. Go and get yeah. him a left tackle that he knows as well. It's, it's a no brainer. However, yeah. if we're in the, you know, mid uh, one to 10, eight, seven, maybe even six, you're not really in touching distance. He's going to be gone. Don't want to pay too much to put that far. Yeah. There's plenty to, there's plenty to go around, you know, and if, even if you leave it to the second, um, you know, you, there's plenty of tackles. There's plenty of tackles to come out. And we know that um, Tom Tesco loves a Notre Dame player. Yeah. So I'm going to give the listeners kind of a, a name to watch out for for the tackles, probably for the second round or, you know, I'm not, not going to get into the late first, but maybe uh, for the second round, but Liam Eichenberg from um, Notre Dame. Yeah. I wouldn't mind him um, being in the second round. Um, yeah, play with good potential, I feel. And obviously, we know, like I said, that Tom loves to draft Notre Dame guys. Can see, seems yeah. to do it for the fun um, sometimes. But yeah, I just think he's got he's got power. I think he's got a bit of movability. So, you know, gives that versatility. Um, and yeah, he's, he's experienced and he he's, he can do it. You know, he's, he's a senior. He's played at Notre Dame for four years. You know, he's a redshirt senior. So he's, he's been there at a top program. Obviously, they're playing really well at the moment, knocking off Clemson at the weekend. So yeah. he's a player that, that I'd be having my eye on. But yeah, I think it's got to be the draft. And then I wouldn't even mind going back to back, you know, maybe second, third round for uh-huh. tackle and interior guy. Yeah. And then see what we've got. You know, keep Pipkins as the backup. Um, you know, you've got Lamp to kind of battle it out. You know, you've got the new guy at the interior. You've got Crescentbury. You may be bringing in a free agent, you know, off the street. I'm kind of, yeah. I know I'm kind of making this a very, very long answer and what I would do, but what, I, what I'm kind of thinking back to as well is when the Bills had Josh Allen after one year. Yeah. And they went out and not, not that I'm advertising for us to go out and get wide receivers, but this is just what they did. They went out and got loads of free agent wide receivers, loads of free agent linemen and sort of threw enough mud, mud at the wall and saw what stuck. Yeah. And they improved. And now look at them. You know, yep. I'm not saying that we're going to find a Cole Beasley or anything. I don't really want us to touch wide receivers. This is more for the offensive line, but they've got a pretty decent offensive line now and Josh Allen's yep. balling. Mm-hmm. So I think that's what you've got to do. I think what yeah. you've got to do is basically do what we tried to do when we drafted Lamp and Feeney in in go back to back and try and fix the problem because you know yeah. Trey Turner's good and you don't have to fix it all this year. You know, get two this year. You've got Bralaga, you've got Turner. You probably can get by with four pieces being reasonable. Then next yeah. year you've probably got to replace Bralaga because he's probably going to get injured again and obviously going to be pushing thirty three by that time. Yeah. And then you go out and get another guard and a right tackle. You fix your line over two years. You don't have to do yeah. it all in one. Yeah. Uh, you know, you bring in a couple of free agents, see what sticks. And, you know, in a couple of years, you've got a really good offensive line, a quarterback, you're still on a rookie deal. You've got Keenan, you've got a good defense. And, you know, then it's time to push, isn't it? But it all, all needs to hinge on this because we can't keep doing this, can't keep banging our heads thinking, let's just stick with these offensive linemen and watch them fall apart and yeah. be good and it, this whole team falls down. So, yeah, no, it was a really yeah. long time. But yeah, go for the draft, back-to-back picks, happy with that, loads of talent on the offensive line in both interior and also on the edges as well. That kind of mirrors the free agency market as well because the strength in the free agency market, if I'm honest, is is 
is in, in the center position. So if you're going to let Feeney go, keep Lamp around and then look at Tevi in the draft, you kind of, your free agents market is maybe getting the center in to help Quisenberry. And obviously if you're going to lose Pouncey and Feeney, you're going to need to get another guy in the door that's going to know his stuff. So the, the free agency pool at center might be where Telesco does look at it. At guard, there isn't really anyone there unless they're going to go big and go for Brandon Sheriff or Sonny. But they kind of <laughs> wait. We're back. We, we're back in 2019. We're back in 19, exactly. <laughs> so, and personally, because obviously they've gone after Turner anyway, I don't know if that's really the the, the way that he'll go. Um, and then it comes down to the the tackle position. You've got the two Steeler guys that, that that are probably going to get paid. Steelers will definitely be able to keep one of them guys. And then you've got Garrett Bowles and the premier tackle that's going to get paid is uh, David Bakhtari. So he's going to be gone and done and dusted. I mean, that would be an amazing pickup, to be (laughs) honest, if they could even pull that one out of the bag. Um, And you coming into this season with Balaga and Bakhtari as as your two tackles. I mean, Well, we do have James Campen, so... (laughs) So that could be something to watch anyway down later down the line, but... Uh, unless it's Bactari, I, I totally agree. I think that this, this, even even if we did take Bactari, the tackle class is too good to give up on, and you might as well get someone in the door that you can you can mould, and he's going to be exactly what you want from day one. You don't want to keep putting this patchwork quilt offensive line together mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. trying to work see see if if it's working in the building. Like you said, it looks like it needs a complete overhaul. And let's honest. start by maybe getting these three guys out of the building and getting some maybe two two draftees and one big time free agent, mm. either David Bactari or you've even got Corey Lindsay, another Packer. He's a center. Mm. You could get him in the door that you could offer him some big, big money. You've got David Andrews, um, obviously Patriots winning culture, get him mm. through the door. And uh, another one maybe just to watch out for is uh, Ted Curris, who's uh, the Dolphins who were playing at the weekend. He's put, doing really, really well um, as a centre for Tua and Fitzpatrick. So there's potential there in the free agency market to just maybe if you are going to let Pouncey and Feeney and Lamp and Tevi all go, I'm not saying that we will, mm. there's probably going to be one of them that stays, but there is potential in the free agency market to basically get an insurance policy or just pick where... Telesco thinks that is it's worth his while to indulge and spend his spend the money that we've got to build this new offensive line together. Mm. To be honest with you, I think even if you offer me David Vagtiari now, I would still if you offer me on the other hand a drafted Penny Soul, I would still take the young guy. Oh yeah, yeah, so would I. But yeah, I mean yeah, it's 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 a uh, it's one to watch because you know we do have this old old line coach. Obviously, he's coming up. He's a good age. He's twenty nine. And like you say, it's a winning culture sort of thing, isn't it? Green Bay aren't bad um, at all, so getting yeah. him in would be would be pretty good. Um, you know, in terms of changing around that culture, not only on the field but also off the field as well. But yeah. no, I mean, I'd, I'd edge towards young guys there. And you know, I've only mentioned Eichenberg and I've only mentioned Soul as well. But there's there's tons of tackles in this class that yeah. would, that would take. Maybe not so high. Maybe not in the top ten. I'd maybe go towards a corner then. And yeah. you know, if you're picking, what would it be like forty something? You know, yeah. in the draft next year, there's going to, that's going to be ripe for for tackles, um, and yeah. there's like going to be a lot of good ones. So yeah, no, I'd, that's the way I go about that one. Um, yeah. But yeah, I'm happy to see a bit of a bit of turnover in the offensive line for sure. Yeah. Um, then you've got uh, three other positions here. Probably is 
Perryman um, and I've put Nick Vigil together. Mm-hmm. Free agency market this year, obviously, you, there's there's some interesting players on there, shall we say. But obviously, we've already indulged in Kenneth Murray. Tranquil will be back. We're getting some play out Kaiser White now. You've got three guys in the building there. You can even use it if you wanted to. Drop down, pick a linebacker up in sort of the fifth, sixth, seventh round if we've got some extra picks, comp- um, compensatory picks. We yeah. should have enough That's in the building point. personally to be able to cover that. If they wanted to go out, your premier guy probably that's, that's will be getting paid is the man who's been doing it for the last 10 years, Levante David. He's absolutely producing for the Bucks. Mm. He's going to get paid if they can keep him around. Um, KJ Wright from Seattle will also be one to watch. Um, and then you've got a couple of other guys. Jared Davis is doing better now at the Lions. He could be paying playing himself into a nice contract. Anthony Walker Jr. at the Colts is putting on some good display as a coverage guy. And Jayon Brown for Tennessee um, is also, he's a bit of a turnover machine, like forces fumbles a lot. And you kind of need to get someone like that maybe through the door. So if maybe Walker Jr. or Brown or Davis are there in that second or third round of free agency, it might be worth a look at just to get someone through the door, especially if you let impairment and vigil go out the door. Mm. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I think I said it last year. I wanted Denzel Perryman gone. I Kenneth Murray got benched on the weekend for a little bit, and Perryman came in and did absolutely nothing. Um, he, he, no, he's not the sort of linebacker you need in this gate, this day and age. Yeah, he's a two down stuffer. He's not overly quick. He's a downhill guy. He can't cover sideline sideline. To be honest with you, as well, with the Chargers three starting linebackers, which is often two starting linebackers with the amount that we play nickel, although that might change. Obviously, we're hoping to change defensive coordinator, or at least I am. You're not looking for a starter to come in and replace Denzel Perryman anyway. Yeah. You know, you're looking at, well, hopefully, I am anyway. I'm hopefully looking at White, uh, Tranquil, and um, Murray, obviously, from strong to weak in terms of the the linebackers. And obviously, if you play nickel, then you lose lose Kaiser White probably from that because... Uh, then you've got your first rounder and and uh, tranquil as well. Hopefully, you know if tranquil yeah. comes back from injury, same player, etc. You know that's what I'm looking to 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 get. So, yeah, I don't know. I mean, Nick Vigil does make plays on special teams, so if he can be brought back just for that, I don't know. Because um, you need these you need these depth guys and you need people to play special teams. Obviously, linebackers are a big part of that. So, mm-hmm. yeah, I'm not loving Nick Vigil. I'm not you know I'm not going to bang the table for him or anything like that but I'm definitely ready to let Denzel Perryman go he gets paid way too much money yeah. uh, especially to be a, a backup linebacker at the end of the day so um, you know it was only some contractual sort of agreement that they came to didn't it where his contract money got moved around that he probably got to stay this year anyway so it's not like the, the team love him either Yeah. and again this kind of to me again with what you're saying about free agency, kind of matches what we've got in the draft as well. You know, they've got a few decent linebackers knocking around, as you mentioned. Just to add, add one to to your um, your list that you gave as well, Devondre Campbell, the, the Cardinals. Yeah, he's quite reasonable. You know, he's not a groundbreaking player, but I think he's he's decent again at a good yeah. age as well. Yeah, but you've got a bit of a a bit of a weird linebacking group coming up. So you've got. Two, two guys right at the top who are by far the best two linebackers going to go mid to first round. So again, not going to be people that we're going to be messing with. A couple in a very small sort of second tier. And then you're going to have like guys who are going to be backups and kind of be role players that coming up. They're quite decent. They're going to have like time in the league and things like that. 
Um, so that would, would suit us again, you know, extra compensatory pick, fourth, third round, something like that, picking up one of these guys again. And again, just, just I'll just kind of refresh that room, add a bit more speed, bring it up to date a little bit, replace Perryman and save a boatload of money as well. Player that um, I was watching on the weekend uh, for Arizona State, actually, Merlin Robinson, sorry, not Robinson, Robertson. Um, player that really stood out, got, got um, punched out a ball, turned, uh, turned it over. I think he even scooped up a fumble as well under the under a pile. He was flying around, he was making plays, and he's not going to be he's not going to be super sought after, but he seemed like the sort of player that you need. You know, someone who's going to play a bit of special teams in the NFL, make plays. A little bit like what you were saying about Jayon Brown, actually, um, in terms of he might make a play for you every now and then and just give you some energy, you know, off the bench or um, on special teams as well. So yeah, I'd be looking at someone like him around that range in the in the third or fourth round. So I think like what you say is what we're saying here is. A little bit like what we were saying with the other position groups is it kind of does match and the, the Chargers might be in a good position really to, yeah. to take the players at the positions of need with decent value, with decent players um, knocking around. And the other sort of side of this as well, and something that I might mention a bit later, is we know that the Chargers like to draft relatively local. So, you yeah. know, we've seen quite a lot of USC, UCLA guys come over. You know, Arizona State is not too far away. And there's also a linebacker at Cal, Coney Deng, who I like as well. Uh, a little bit inconsistent, different type of linebacker. But yeah, another another guy kind of on the West Coast that um, I kind of like in terms of the fit and the, the kind of draft value that they might get as well. Yeah, awesome. Um, and then obviously going on to probably two players that are probably the two biggest debates or the biggest question marks really at the Chargers at the moment is um, Michael Davis. Obviously, they brought him back. Um, we were hoping he would be our fourth corner. He's now our second. And obviously, Rayshon Jenkins, who Anthony Lynn think is, thinks is elite, and I think is <laughs> utter, utter tosh. Um, so, according to the market at the moment, looking through, Michael Davis is his market's probably going to be in that sort of like what kind of a kind of deal that he got brought back for is sort of three, four million sort of pound um, a dollar, sorry, um, contract, sort of one, two years. So, obviously, are you going to bring him back in the building? There's not a lot of speed tall rangy guys in the market that you're going to kind of replace him with um the best players i think that would be value for money if they did look in the free agency market would be someone like jc jackson who is we've been talking about turnovers we've been talking about making plays on d obviously mm-hmm. patriots winning culture he's going to get paid is he going to is he the sort of player that the charges could maybe get as a luxury pick um, so JC Jackson's one to watch. Levi Wallace, uh, uh, I think, is a really good player at the Bills. Yeah, you've, you've spoken about him before, haven't you? It's kind of like a, he's really light, like he's really thin, but he makes plays. Um, I think he's a really short tackler. So for his size, he, he puts himself about. I think that you could maybe look at getting him in your sort of second second wave of free agency. Um, and then there's William Jackson at Cincinnati, who I, I really like coming out into the draft. Mm-hmm. And Kevin King is kind of like a mirror of Michael Davis in some respects. He's quite tall, quite rangy, pretty quick guy. So there's potential there in the free agency market at corner. But we've been talking about it for year, maybe two, that we do need a corner in this draft. Tackle and corner are the ones. And I think, like you said, being in that top 10 range, there's some really good guys there to be able to pick if you're not looking at a tackle when you're looking at a corner because this secondary is a mess. So it kind of feels like it does need a shake up and getting one of them top 10 corners, elite guys through the door. I'd be mm-hmm. really excited about that. So um, that's it for a corner. And obviously Jenkins, the safety 
for me, I'd let him go. And there is a really, really, really strong free agency market. So if okay, you are cool. going to let him go, there's potential there to get a real big boy come through the door and pay them. And there's also that potential if you do want to bring Rayshon Jenkins back that you haven't got to pay him very much because there's so many guys there that are just as talented that are going to be looking at contracts. So you've got uh, Nikhil, um, uh, Keanu Neal, Justin Simmons, Anthony Harris, Marcus May, John Johnson. So there's some real strong safeties out there that are going to get paid. So if Telesco wanted to spend his money and kind of get this Earl Thomas... Um, uh, camp chancellor sort of secondary going like with your two your, your twin guys at the back there is potential there to say let's get Der we've got Dermot James you've got Adley as, as a role player but you can go and get Keanu Neal you can go get Justin Simmons you can go get Anthony Harris you can go get Marcus May there's real big guys there if they wanted to blow some money on some luxury players and have some sort of real strong secondary backbone there. Mm. So there's them two potential. I, I don't know if they'll really look at the draft as a possibility for the safety market, obviously taking Gilman, Adderley, James in recent years. I don't know if there's real need to draft at safety, but there is a real, there is a, a real need to draft a corner. And I think that, if if was if we were going to look as a, a real possible scenario, it would be corner in the first two rounds and a potential of picking up one of these big strong free agency safeties. Yeah, I I, I agree with your analysis. I really I'm happy to get rid of this. I would I mean both of these guys. I was happy to get rid of Michael Davis last year, and he was one of our insurance pickups, wasn't he? Really on free agency to kind of bring yeah. him back, yeah. and uh, and go from there really and see what happened. Obviously, didn't end up taking a corner. Um, Corner-wise, I mean, it's interesting what you say about the. there's not really many tall, speedy guys in the free agency market because we're in luck because at the top of the draft order, there is two or three really top-level athletes that can play outside. Um, so you've got Pat Sertain at Alabama, Caleb Farley at Virginia Tech, and also um, there's a couple of guys at Georgia, Eric Stokes and Tyson Campbell. Tyson Campbell's more of the athlete, so we'll be looking at him. They're all over 6'1", if not more. They're all over 200 pounds, if not, you know, just a shade over, uh, a shade under, sorry. Um, so there's got, you know, if we're looking at top 10 pick and we're looking at, you know, bringing in like a potentially top level corner who can maybe take over from Case Hayward uh, as the number one, then, you know, we're, we're looking like we're in luck here with this tackling, this, um, sorry, this corner group. The other thing about these guys is, there's a lot of good physical corners in this tackle. This um, there's a lot of good physical tackling corners in this uh, draft class as well. Guys that won't kind of shy away from contact and you know yep. doing things that we saw on Sunday and what we've seen in the past few weeks, where they're shying away from tackles, where they're diving at people's feet and letting them kind of dump <laughs> over them, stuff like that. So we, we're in luck with that. Um, so I'd be looking at one of those top two guys, Patrick Sertain or Caleb Farley. I'd be looking at those two in the top 10, more than I have to take them. And like I say, they're the kind of heir to being that number one, if not number one immediately, because Case Hayward's not been great recently, unfortunately, as, as painful as that is to say. But yeah, you've got you've got a few guys afterwards as well. And I wouldn't be I wouldn't be against picking up a couple. And I know I'm running out of draft picks here with saying <laughs> all this because I'm, I'm kind of talking up the fourth and fifth round all the time. But there's, there's, there's guys that are serviceable all the way down the list, to be honest with you. Um, so I, I feel like there's, there's there's talent to be had at the corner group, both um, 
early in the draft and both sort of in the middle rounds, late rounds as well. So I wouldn't be adverse to that at all. Safety-wise, I mean, you'd like to think that we're fairly set. You know, Adderley's not been great, but, you know, we did spend a second round pick on him. You know, you're hoping that we can get Derwin back and he's not going to get injured again because by that time, you know, you're losing trust in him, you know, if he's losing the best part of three seasons. Yeah. So... Yeah, you've got Derwin and then, you know, you've, I'd, I'd be aging towards the, the free agents cost, though, as you said. I mean, if you do want to go out and spend there, go in and get Justin Simmons. That would make a really top uh, safety duo. You could drop Derwin down into the box because Simmons can cover deep and then you've got Adderley to come in, you know, and you play, want to play some three safety stuff. Yep. Safety-wise, this draft class isn't the deepest. It's not even very good at the top. I'm struggling and I'm just sort of really getting into my uh, my scouting for this year. But I'm even struggling to pick out my kind of top safety, to be honest with you. It's not yeah. great at all. Uh, a lot of inconsistencies, a lot of guys who are kind of, I don't want to say Minka Fitzpatrick, that makes them sound good, but that kind of guy who's not really a safety is maybe a bit of a slot corner as well kind of thing. I think you're getting a lot of those guys yeah. in this class. Um, but yeah, maybe in the mid-rounds, you know, again, you may be looking at it, maybe the late rounds, because I'm running out of mid-round picks now, like I said. But like I say, if you've got Gilman, who can't get on the field on defence, are you going to draft another one? Maybe not. So yeah, free agency, I would say, is the way to go uh, safety-wise. Uh, but I'd love to get a corner or two out of this class because I'm I'm really happy about this corner class. It's a very, very good corner class, both, like I say, in the in the beginning where we'll be primed to pick um, a number one corner, but also later on when we might be able to pick up kind of a physical guy who might develop into number two. So you might get you one or two corners from this class uh, for the future, which yeah. would be exciting. Yeah, definitely. Um, obviously, we won't... Oh... There's obviously loads of other, a few other players on there, but obviously we won't get go too much more in depth. Mm. Obviously, there's one obviously that is obviously the elephant in the room, which is Tyrod. Obviously, is up for sure. renewal. So um, probably just with this last one, do you think that maybe it's time for him? Obviously, now Herbert's the starter and will obviously be the starter for the foreseeable future. Are we looking at Tyrod as a, a nice replacement backup, or do you think it might be time now to maybe spend the money that you're going to because to keep Tyrod around, you're probably going to have to pay him sort of seven, eight, nine million. Because that's what backups now are. Work yeah, 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 yeah. Premium backup. Yeah. Um, do you think that it's probably worth? And I personally do think that it is probably worth just saying we'll keep the seven or eight million. We'll go and spend it on someone like you said, like use that money on Justin Simmons or David Bactari or Corey Lindsay or in another area. Hmm. Um, and then give Easton stick the benefit of the doubt and say you're the backup. Obviously, we hope we never have to use him. Um, <laughs> but obviously, you can never tell. Um, and maybe even look at maybe the draft as a late round flyer or the, the free agency pool as such. You can obviously bring people in off the streets mm. that, that other teams have done recently. But I personally think that maybe the money that you'd spend on a, a high level backup I think that maybe you need to just let the chips fall and spend it in the positions where we actually really do need them. I would agree with that, unfortunately. No, I was bigging up Tyrod uh, to start the season. I was happy for him to take the reins. Obviously, what's happened's happened, and it's looking like you know Justin Herbert has come in, he's taken the ball by the horns, and he's going to be the, the starter and the future for this team. And that's brilliant. You know, we, we can't really say anything other than that, really. He's the, like we said before, the shining light of this team so, so far this season. Yeah. Um, it's not as much as you are correct in saying that it'll cost quite a lot of money what value are you getting out of that it's a nice insurance policy Justin has had a couple of injuries in college but he's taken a few big hits and yeah. it makes me sit on the edge of my seat when he's taking them um, and I wish he didn't uh, but you know he's popped straight back up 
you know, all the time so far. So, um, yeah, I, I don't think it's prudent really to spend $9 million, maybe such less on what would be a premium backup and one of the best backups in the NFL. But yeah. you, you're also thinking ahead to the future and thinking about the circumstances that we're, we're hoping that Anthony Lynn's not going to be there. I'm just going to say it, you know, and that relationship then is gone. This is another coach that's coming in that doesn't, you know, have this special relationship with Tyrod. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I mean, you're looking to replace, because I'm not sure I want to go into the season with two young guys, Herbert being the, you know, the senior guy in his, his uh-huh. be a second year with Easton Stick backing it up, who has yeah. not played really at all and not really even sniffed like any action, let's be honest, mm-hmm. you know, outside of a ridiculous drive against Jacksonville or a couple of, well, it's not even a driver series against yeah. Jacksonville. There's a couple of names that stick out. Um, and it goes back to what I was saying. I'm, just, I'm talking about free agents, sorry, to begin with. And it goes back to the type of locality issue. And I'm not, you know, I'm, I'm very much talking this guy up as a backup. It's not something that I'm going to come in and challenge her, but, but just having maybe a bit of an older head on the sideline. And that's Brett Huntley. He's obviously been with the Packers for a little while now. He's obviously never got close to playing for them. Um, and he's, he's contracts up, came through UCLA. So obviously been around LA before, knows the city, probably, you know, another local guy. He can move the ball. And this is what you've got to think about, I think, with, and I'll move on to the draft, obviously, in a moment. You've got to think of quarterbacks that are similar to Justin in the way that he can move. Yeah. And, you know, there's no point in bringing in like a pocket passer because Justin isn't like that. And that's not going to be a fit for our offense. That's why you've got stick there that kind of makes sense as well. Huntley can move with his legs as well. He's not the greatest quarterback in the world, but you know, you're not asking him to be, you're asking him to hold the clipboard at the end of the day. And yeah. Be a kind of older head in the draft room because, uh, yeah. sorry, in the quarterback room, because, you know, if you're going to draft one, then you've got, like we were saying, when just before we came on, you've got stick, who's the senior guy and he's been in the league for like, what will be three years by that time. And, yeah. You know, do you want that to be a senior guy? Uh, probably not. It's not ideal, I don't think. So bringing in kind of an old head, you hope you don't have to pay, uh, play, sorry. And you're probably not going to have to pay him too much either. So he'd be my shout. It's not the most exciting shout in the world for a free agency guy, but it's probably the best I can come up with because, as we mentioned before we came on, there's not a great deal out there in terms of free agency. I mean, you don't want to spend yeah. loads of money anyway because you've got Herbert. But um, yeah, that'd be my free agency shout. Draft-wise, um, the quarterback group in the, coming through this draft class is you know getting better week by week you know you've got a lot of players that are playing well obviously you've got the two main guys um and there's guys moving up the draft order obviously we're not looking to take quarterback until day three anyway but you've got to look at you know movable guys guys that can make plays with legs as well so you know just throwing a couple of names out there you've got malik cunningham from louisville uh, Desmond Ridder, maybe from Cincinnati. Maybe he goes a bit early, though, because he's playing really well. Cincinnati unbeaten. And um guy who's not played this year, but is quite similar to Herbert in his sort of uh, athletic ability. But Jamie Newman, who did transfer to Georgia, but then opted out. Uh, didn't obviously get to play for the Bulldogs, but was at Wake Forest before that. Yep. Um, he's got a nice arm. He's very, very athletic. Um, he wouldn't be bad backup to have in the room from an athleticism standpoint and a kind of similarity standpoint. Yep. Um, probably someone who would trust um, more than stick at the moment. So, if, you know, those those kind of guys, the, the good athletic guys, they can kind of move a little bit. Um, Cunningham's probably a little bit too small because he's six foot one to Herbert's six foot six. Um, you know, and dare I say it, you know, someone maybe like Sam Ellinger, who I don't like as a quarterback, but he's very, very mobile and, um, you know, would be a good backup because he's a, he's a good locker room guy and, and he's, you know, a bit of a on campus legend at Texas, really. So, yeah. you know, you've got, some, you've got some interesting guys who you could pick on day three. But 
not too exciting, let's say. Um, and, you know, maybe looking just to give the reins to stick and, and just kind of see what they can do, bring in a UDFA and, and someone who else is, is not going to cost a lot of money either because it can be spent better elsewhere. Yeah. So, yeah, that's kind of really it, to be honest. So, obviously, we've gone through all the positions and sort of where you'd look at maybe if you're going to start rebuilding. Because, obviously, because of Herbert's being on his rookie deal, the time, the clocks really does start now in some mm. respects. You've seen it with a lot of these franchises where teams are going a long way down the road to court, um, to Super Bowls with quarterbacks on rookie deals. You think like teams that are in in the hunt now, you'll have like Lamar Jackson and um, Pat Mahomes. Obviously, he's re- just re-signed his deal, but there's a, a lot. And Jared Goff went through before he signed his deal. So there's a lot the time really does start now. I can't really emphasize that enough that the clock starts and we need to start rebuilding this. I know it's horrible to say, because obviously we were looking, we were thinking we're going to be a 12 team, 13 team win um, team uh, winning team this year. Like we're going to get the playoffs, et cetera. And it's mm. really not materialized. So you've got to kind of break down, see where we're losing battles, see what's going wrong in, in the locker rooms and the culture. And Telesco obviously up, we think that he's doing a good job. Obviously, there's there's little things that you could maybe blame him for, but with you just, I think you're just being a little bit pernickety with it. I think that I still trust this guy to be able to build this franchise, and I trust him to be able to hopefully find a coach now because I think that's the only thing missing really from his tenor. At yeah, obviously with McCoy, um, and it was part of the, the that McCoy thing, and then. He's brought in Lynn. So it's kind of missing this. This is the last little bit of the piece of the jigsaw for him. That sure. if he can now find us a coach and I trust him to find us a coach and get a coaching team around and build something around, then hopefully these a couple of these free agencies, uh, free agents players fall into place and the culture and the philosophy of this team changes. And I think that that could be the transformation because we've, we've got the guy now at the helm with Herbert. And it just, the ball needs to really start rolling now. So hopefully mm. Telesco can can do the biz over the coming months to put us in play for this, have a really strong off-season that we're going to need. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I, I like Tom Telesco. I think he's a good GM. Um, but his draft, is not draft, sorry, his job kind of hinges on it almost. Yeah. Because it's going to be his third coaching hire. Yeah. And if he doesn't find someone that brings, you know, even a reasonable amount of success, he's he's going to be on the hot seat again isn't he yeah, yeah. you know and he, he's a good he's a good roster builder and like we said before he gets really good value out of his contracts and he he, he does a good job I, I'm, I'm a fan um but yeah i think this this one does sort of have his job hinging on it a little bit and he's got to get this right yeah and you know just on that coaching job just to, to briefly finish off um it is quite an attractive job big time yeah you know you've got la you, you're in a big market you're going to be you know front and center if you get any sort of success You've got new stadium. You've got you know a young team. I think we're one of the youngest teams on average age. I think we're the third or fourth youngest team in mm-hmm. the NFL. You've got some blue chip talent on all levels and all positions on both sides of the ball. So you've got some pieces to build around. You've got a quarterback. We've not given up a shitload of draft picks to you know like you know when you're looking at the Texans' job that'll be coming up, and they've got no draft picks. Yeah, you've you've got a really attractive job here that you can offer to someone, and you know maybe we'll explore potential coaching candidates later in the year. But it's not like a poison chalice. This one, this is one that needs to be you know and is there to be taken, yeah, and the you know and ran with really. I think that I personally think this is the best job 
up for grabs this year. If obviously, if if we obviously do change coaches that we we are predicting that we are, I think that it's the best job up for grabs this year. There's there's having that LA market. You've already got your quarterback in play. You've got a pretty talented roster. You Telesco is going to be able to. You've got a high draft, like you said, a couple of high draft picks. And so it's not just going to be those seven picks. It's going to be yeah. like eight, nine picks. Yeah. And they're most likely going to get a third from Rivers. Yeah. So, so there's there's real high potential here to be able to mould. You've got something to mould with to start with. Let's obviously not take take that away from what Telesco and Lynn have done, mm. but to be able to take it onto the next stage as, as a job, you're looking at a really, really, really exciting prospect um, of, a, of a franchise to be able to take over. Other than maybe you could say maybe the Jets, they've got loads of picks, but their roster's terrible. But yeah. at least you've got the number one pick if, you, if you're really into having Trevor Lawrence and you're going to build everything around him. And obviously you've got New York City as, as the media market, et cetera. But that's a much every- longer build though, isn't it? <laughs> exactly that. It's a much longer build than having that Chargers team as it is with the keystone pieces that are signed up. It's not just Herbert. You've got a key edge rusher signed up. You've got one of the best wide receivers in football signed up. So you've got Derwin James still on his rookie deal and one of the best, Murray. you know what I mean? One of, yeah, Kenneth Murray as well as a, as a first round pick. So there's loads of talent still in the building. So it's, it's a really exciting prospect, a job prospect for any, any coaching candidate to want to interview for. So I think that we're going to have some serious names wanting an interview for that job. uh, if and when it does occur yeah hopefully and like I say we'll we'll kind of I want to revisit that uh, maybe not in the next few weeks but you know as the season draws to a close I think we'll be kind of looking at that it'll be an exciting time because it's one of those things where you know if if you've got a bit of a kind of a lower priority job let's say you know Texans is one that I've just named because they've got no draft picks they haven't got a great deal apart from Deshaun Watson there you know, wait, would, you know, if you if you're gonna have to set your expectations at realistic levels, aren't you? If you're looking there at a Texans fan, you're thinking, who can we get? You know, you're not going to be looking at the top level because yeah. no one's going to want it. You know, especially with the other jobs going there um, that will be available. You know, and like you say, if not one the best, it's definitely going to be one of the best. It's going to be a very yeah. attractive job. So we can kind of look and we can hopefully have a bit of a monopoly on the market and take our pick rather than um, you know looking at the second tier of, of coaches and kind of settling. Yeah, definitely. So, yeah, uh, stuff to look forward to. Um, try to keep it, obviously, away from the game. Keep it positive this week. Hopefully, you've enjoyed our analysis of kind of looking forward to our free agent. Obviously, we've just gone through the top top echelon of our roster. We might revisit this as, as time goes on, obviously, as things develop. Um, but, yeah, that's us for this week. So, yeah, thanks for listening again, and we'll see you next week.